the next few weeks, I'm going to talk about something that um, I've talked about in the past, but I'm going to talk about something that God says is so important to pursue that you should sell everything to pursue it. And when you hear that, you think, wow, if God said that, maybe I should take some time and maybe consider it, right? Like, what am I pursuing? And, and the, this is what he says is, wisdom is priceless and the prize. Proverbs 4, 7 through 8 says, the beginning of wisdom is this, get wisdom, though it costs you all you have. I want you to say, that's, that's pretty, like, dramatic, like, it will cost you all you have. Get it. If you got to pay everything, if you got to go to the farthest place to get it, no matter what you have to do, do it to get wisdom. And it says, uh, uh, get understanding, cherish her, and she will exalt you. Embrace her, and she will what? She will honor you. Solomon asked God for wisdom, and God was so uh, pleased with Solomon that he gave him wisdom, and everything else followed. Uh, there were three things I asked the Lord every day, almost every day. I can't say that I do it every day, but almost every day. There are three things I asked the Lord every day, and I would encourage you to ask him for something every single day. These are the three things. I asked for the wisdom of Solomon, the favor of King David, and the anointing of Elisha. That's really the only things I need from, if the Lord gives me, the, everything else kind of falls into place. The wisdom of Solomon, the favor of King David, and the anointing of Elisha. Uh, because when you walk in that, it, it's, it's like God, it's just God working through you. And I would encourage you to ask the Lord every day for something. Today, in order for your, you to gain wisdom, you must first have enough wisdom to know you need to ask for wisdom. Isn't that funny? As I was writing this, I thought to myself, like, in order to ask for wisdom, you've got to have enough wisdom to know that you should be asking for wisdom, that I should be pursuing wisdom. And God gives us, I think there's this little part in us that realizes, like, I need wisdom. I need, like, God, wisdom is seeing around corners. Wisdom is, is just seeing things that no one else sees. It's being able to have, like, understanding that no one else understands. And Christians should be the wisest people on the planet. Don't you agree? Proverbs 13, 20 says, Walk with the wise and you will become wise. Show me who your friends are and I can show you your future. That's, that's the reality. Who you're spending time with, my wife would tell my daughters all the time that a bad company corrupts good character. Who you're spending your time with, who's influencing your decisions, going to corrupt how you respond, your character. It's going to have an impact in your character. And, and who you're, yeah, yeah, it's true. You can even spend time with people in church and they can corrupt your character. If you want to become a person that's a worshiper, you should sit with the worshipers. Not with the people who are tight-lipped and they're the frozen chosen. Because you'll become the frozen chosen if that's who you're spending your time with. You'll just look. I just don't understand why they sing so loud. I don't understand the smoke. I don't understand the smoke. <laughs> but it's cool, I guess. If you spend time with the wise, you'll become wise. If you spend time with the wise guy, you'll become a wise guy. If you spend time with a fool, you'll, your, your life, you'll fall into the, the hands of a fool. 
So Christians need to understand that when I wake up in the morning and I go to the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, I need to be wise today. Will you give me wisdom? How many know that when you ask the Lord, James 1.5, and it's, my, it's one of my favorite verses in the Bible. If you lack wisdom, you should ask God. That's a novel idea. Some of us think we're asking and we're not. Right? How many are married? <laughs> then you understand this. <laughs> like, you never said that. Yeah, I did. No, you didn't. I mean, my wife just had this conversation. <laughs> Apparently, and I always say my wife has little ears. She didn't hear me. You know, they did, though my words are so big, they didn't get into her little ears. I said, I did say this. She says, no, you didn't. And I said, yes, I did. And we're like, God, I did ask. No, you didn't. <laughs> God's like, you thought it, but I don't respond on your thoughts. I gave you a mouth. Faith comes from... You have to ask. Not think ask. You have to ask. That's what prayer is in some respects. It's making requests before God. He, he gave you a mouth because he wants you to use it as well as your ears. So you ask, if you lack wisdom, you should who? God. And what will he do? Give it to you generously. Like God is sitting you, like this is where he's at. Like God's got his hands open Gen wisdom in his hands, and he says, ask. Here it is. Ask, ask, ask. Right? Ask, ask. He's like, I'm not trying to keep it to myself. I got so much wisdom. I want you to have it, but you got to come get it. You got to ask. You got to pursue it. You got to want it. It's gotta, you got to ask, and he'll give it to you generously without finding fault, which means he doesn't sit there and say, well, I'd give it to you, but you were so foolish that you went and did this, so I don't know. You're going to have to earn it. He says, I'm not going to pay attention. God is, this is the part that just irritates me in so many ways, is we think God's focused on all of our failures, and he's just focused on you. And getting you past your failures, getting you to the place where, where you know who you are and, and you don't let your failures kind of hold you back and keep you in guilt and shame, but cause you to walk in the favor of God, the unmerited favor of God, and to recognize God's wanting to give me wisdom even when I do things that I know I shouldn't have done, but God gives me wisdom. How many are so grateful for his mercy, right? He gives mercy that's new every morning, and there's a reason. It's because you need it every morning. You need mercy every morning, and that shouldn't be shocking. We think that only I need mercy every morning, like I'm, I'm not up to where everyone else is, and yet if everything was exposed in this room, we'd recognize, oh, they needed a lot of mercy yesterday. That, that we're in this together, we're on this path, and that just as I've received mercy, I give it. And God, in the same way without finding fault, in that same character without finding, he says, here's wisdom. You need some. You need some. You need to understand. So who are you walking with? Walk with the wise and become wise. So, um, you know, my, my grandfather is one of my heroes. I had two of them two great-grandfathers, and um, 
in, in one way, I got many qualities from my grandmother on my father's side who was a, a Freetag. So Lauren Freetag was my cousin's daughter, actually. If you remember a worship pastor here, she was my cousin's daughter. And, and, uh, and, and so we should, you want to hear a funny story? Uh, my daughter, Bailey, and Bianca were in Evangel University, and Lauren was here at North Central. And my grandmother, their great-grandmother, died. And Lauren goes, sends my girls a text and says, isn't it sad that my great-grandma uh, great died? And my daughter goes, I'm so sorry, Lauren, that you're going through that. And there's this long pause, and she's like, Bailey, it's your great-grandmother, too. <laughs> like, she didn't realize, like, oh, we share it. <laughs> it's funny how it works, right? Uh, but but the, the reality is, is, what was I saying? <laughs> that was in a, oh, grandfathers. I, great heritage with grandfathers, but my grandpa Bifford, we lived close when he was a pastor, and how many had grandpas that used to just impart little words of wisdom in you? And if you were wise enough to know that it may not fit right now, but one day that's going to make sense, right? And they would do that when you go in a car and you'd ride with Grandpa Bifford. He was a little short man, and he was pretty short, and, uh, and uh, that's where I get my height from. <laughs> but I'm taller than an average American man. I just want you to know that I'm taller. <laughs> Let me hear. Okay, so, so, but he would, he would impart these little bits of wisdom. And um, I'm going to just share a couple of those because I think as I'm talking about wisdom over the next few weeks, I want to just share a couple of bits Grandpa gave me. And my dad kind of shared with me. And I'm going to make the mistake I did in one of my first sermons. I asked Pastor Dan, who was here this last week, I asked him in one of my first sermons, I said, how was the sermon? He goes, all three of them were pretty good. <laughs> I preached three sermons in one, right? Because I didn't know what I was doing. And, uh, but I'm going to make that mistake today. I'm going to preach three little sermonettes. Okay? Are you ready? So here it is, three bits of wisdom, three separate sermons. Here's the first one. Be trustworthy in the small things. Be trustworthy in the small things. Do not despise the day of the small things. Zechariah 4.10 says, Who dares despise, despise the day of the small things? I haven't even finished yet, and the alarm's going off. <laughs> no matter what the assignment is in your life, do it to the best of your ability. Do it right and treat it with respect. You will learn to be your best in the small things so that you're able to do your best in the big things. Be Mother Teresa said it this way, be faithful in small things because it is in them your strength lies. You know, we're, we're this culture where, like, we need big assignments. Like, that we're, we're told, don't waste your energy and time on those little things. And yet it's in those little things that are entrusted to us that when we stop and we say, you know what, that, I'm going to make that important. I've been put in a lot of positions. I, there was a position a number of years ago I got put into that nobody wanted. It's so much so that I wasn't there. They just voted me into this position of leadership. And, and the reason was is because I wasn't there. I couldn't object, Right. And they said, you're our new this and, and leader. And, I, and, and I'm not kidding. This is what I said. I said, I'm going to make it a position that everybody wants. I think we're looking for position to make us great than to make the position great. Like, great people. And you say, well, I don't believe God wants people to be great. Wrong. 
Because when the disciples argued about being great, Jesus didn't rebuke them for wanting to be great. He showed them how to be great. He says, if you're going to be great, you serve people. And if you're going to make something great, those little things that maybe don't elevate you or they don't celebrate you, those are great opportunities to make them great by serving other people. You become a great person by serving other people, and you make little insignificant things a big deal. You, you take your time, you prepare, you think about it, and you're like, how do I make this assignment something that's important? Look at King David. King David became a great king when he was in the field with the sheep. He demonstrated before God that even in this insignificant hidden assignment with the sheep where nobody was around, I will protect the sheep from the lion and bear. I'll put my, line, my life on the line to protect them. And even though his father and family didn't know what he did, David knew what he did and God was watching. And when it came time for a king, for a king to protect the sheep of God, God said, I know the guy who protected physical sheep. He'll be the one that will put his line on the line to protect my sheep and to serve my sheep and the people who I love. See, this whole idea that man elevates is, is a demonic thing. We think networking is what promotes us. We think getting people to see what we do and to celebrate us. And so every, every victory we have, we put it on Facebook because we've got to brand ourselves. We've got everybody that's got to see all the things I've done. Friend, it is still God who promotes. And when God promotes you, there ain't a man on earth that's going to pull you down. When man lifts you up, man can pull you down. When God puts you in places and he puts you in assignments, you will stay in that assignment as long as God wants you in the assignment. It doesn't matter what it is. It doesn't matter how small it is. But you will never be, you'll never really be faithful and true and successful in the big things until you first pass the test of being successful in the little things, the ones no one sees. Look at the parable of talent. Matthew 25, he tells this parable Jesus does, and it's a great talent of three people who are given three different things. It says, again, it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servant and entrusted his wealth to them. One to one, he gave five bags of gold to another, two bags and to another one, each according to his ability. Then he went on his journey. The man who had received five bags of gold went out once and put it to work and gained five bags more. So also the one with two bags of gold gained two more. But the man who had received one bag went, dug a hole in the ground, and hid in the master's money. And that's just, that is the mentality of today. If we don't think I have the talents and the abilities of other people in the room, we just think, well, I wasn't given it, so I'm not, I must not be as good as someone else. And, and it's interesting in this story because God says, even to the, look at what he says to the, the guy who had five. He says, uh, he comes, and the master says, he's come, you trust me with five bags. He said, see, I've gained five more and his master replied well done good and faithful servant you have been faithful with what what does it say few things you know i never noticed that until right now he says you have been faithful with what even your big assignments are not that much greater to god in god's perspective than the little ones he says even the one with five had few He's, even the one with five had few. We think five is way bigger than one. But in God's perspective, he's like, that's nothing. 
So I gave him five and you one. That's barely a difference in God's perspective. Are you following me? Like we make this huge deal about it. Like somehow I'm not validated because I don't have as much. And we complain. Rather than remembering that God, Jesus, fed 15,000 people with five loaves of bread and two fish. You don't need a lot to do incredible things. You don't need a lot of talent and ability to do life-changing things crazy things, accomplishing crazy assignments with just a little. God wants you to focus on what you don't have rather than focus on what you do have. He says, well done. And then the, the guy with two bags comes in. He says, hey, trust me with two bags. Go see, I've gained two more. And he says, what do he say? Well, good done. Well done. Good and faithful servant. You've been faithful of a few things. You will be put in charge of many things. Come and share in your master's happiness. And then he goes to the man with one, and the man says, well, I know who you are, a servant, and I put it in. Jesus says, you're, or the parable says, the master says, you're a wicked, lazy servant. Now, immediately we think he's thrown into hell. That is not the case. That's not what he's referring to. It says there was weeping and gnashing of teeth. We assume that's hell, but it's not the case. You're not saved by what you do with what's in your hand. You're saved because you believe in your heart and you confess with your mouth. But when you get to heaven and you see the one come in, he says, well done, good and faithful. You know, how many want to hear that when you get to heaven? It's one thing. How many like to hear when you finish something and say, wow, you did good. Well done. That was great, right? Imagine what that's going to be like when the creator of the universe, who you can't barely stand up in front of, in all of his glory goes, <laughs> oh, well done. Man, you were crazy. We're sitting up here going, look at that. <laughs> That's just like you, Jesus. <laughs> right? Well done. Good and faithful. But you know the one? It'll be like, well, you're done. <laughs> and there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. You know why? The person will be weeping because he will see in that moment what he wasted his life on. And he will be like, what was I thinking? I spent it on all of this stuff, and it means nothing. And I had everything I needed to do everything they did, but I, I, just, I just see God that way. Like I didn't... Like, I didn't have a perspective of God. Like, I thought he was just there for me, and he was just giving... And I... And, and they will be weeping because of the people who will not make heaven their home because we refuse. We just buried what God gave us. See, this is the thing I think we as Americans like to believe, and it's an ungodly belief. We believe that one of two things will, will set people free. One, we believe that if I don't do it, God will send someone else to do it. It's a lie. There was no Moses too. God went to the backside of a desert to get Moses to come back because there was only one Moses. People go to hell when we're not faithful. And I know that's a harsh reality. Believe me, I get it. But we are necessary in the kingdom of God. We are necessary. Our life means something in the kingdom of God. We just don't slide through life, and this is just about me getting into heaven. 
my life has souls tied to it that God wants to use to bring them into the kingdom of God. And this is what's amazing. This is so incredible. Like Satan is intent on getting us to attack the captive because they don't believe what I believe, because they don't stand for what I stand. So Satan is all about us to attack the captive when the object of the kingdom of God is to set the captive free. More Christians are slaughtering prisoners. (laughs) More Christians believe in the death penalty than they do in redemption. Because they don't agree with me I'm going to burn my influence and I'm going to attack people who don't agree even with the Bible. They don't live a lifestyle we like. They don't talk the way we like. They don't behave the way we want them to behave. And we attack them. And God has said, how will you ever set the captive free when you're attacking them? If I went down to you and I said, you know what? I think all bald heads are they're they're Nazis because they're skinheads and they're just horrible people and the ones with the beards are the worst. <laughs> right? And and there's someone balding with a beard down here. Happy Father's Day. <laughs> and I said, but I want to share the gospel with you. You know, there is no way on this earth he's gonna listen to me. Because I just burnt my influence. And Satan has deceived believers in the small things, in the small things, the small conversations you have with your family, in the small conversations you have at work. You don't think anyone knows where, what you're saying, but everybody knows what you're saying. Because the spirit translates from the small to the large. Does this make sense? So you have to... You have to guard your heart. You have to say, God, you got to put, put something at my mouth to guard my mouth. I need wisdom to know that, that this is not some. I don't care if you feel that way. God, I don't care that I feel that way. I need wisdom in what I say and I don't say, right? Because just because you're bald and beard doesn't say, say anything about you other than you're a good-looking guy, right? And you can say amen to that. Well, you should be saying amen to that, right? Here, here's, so... So the reality is, is in the small things, we got to be careful in understanding that it's those things. When, I, when I'm going to pay attention, when my grandfather said that, he said, James, you, when you're in the small things, you got to put your best effort in the small things and know God's watching. Know God's watching because God is the promoter of man. So it doesn't matter what everyone else sees. I saw David in the field. I was the one that heard Solomon ask for wisdom. I was the one that was in those small places when nobody's at. I'm there. I see it. Respect the small task and small details. Be conscientious of the small things, and you will be prepared to excel in the big things. Bear Bryant said this, it's not the will to win, but the will to prepare to win that makes the difference. You know, it's funny. There's a lot of people that are running from one place to another in order to feel like a winner because they don't want to prepare to win. You know, what's amazing is, uh, and I'm not getting through these sermon, it's pretty fast here. <laughs> there are two guys, a father and a son at Ridgefield 
that at the 815 service, they drive from Champlin 45 minutes to be at the, be at, be at the church at 8 o'clock in the morning, to stand in the road and to wave signs that say, we love you, welcome, have a great day. Just, you know, the signs that they, they wave, they stand out on the road. And there's the father stands right out at the main, and then the son, who I see every Sunday morning when I drive in, always smiling at me, just blesses my heart. The father was standing out there one Sunday, and he's just waving like he always does. And a car went by them, but this wasn't any ordinary situation. A car drove right by him. And the man in the car said he noticed the smile of the man, and when he noticed it, something hit him differently than any other situation. Like, he just felt like this man's face seared into his mind. And he drove right by him, went home. And he said, that man's face was in my head all week long. I couldn't get his smile out of my face or out of my mind. So he said, next Sunday, I had to come to church. That man came to church, not a church-going man, came back to church, found out when the service time, came to the last service, walks in. One of the guys in the church just walks up to him and hugs him. And he says, I'm not a hugging guy, but when he hugged me, I felt everything, like, you know when your muscles tense up and you're, and you're tired, but you can't get yourself? He said, I felt all of my muscle just go, and I collapsed in his hug. And I began to weep. And he goes, that's not who I am. And he gave his life to Jesus Christ that day. The very next week, the very next week, he brought his son, and his son gave his life to Christ. Now listen, twice someone hugged him both times. This is crazy. Some dude with a sign out in the road, small thing, he did it to the best of his ability, and someone's in the kingdom of God because he did it to the best of his ability. When you serve in a kid's church, which I think the most important pastoral role in a church is kid's pastor. They're the most, it's, I'm not even kidding. They are the most important role and the most rewarded role in eternity. But you know why? Because they got to get volunteers every week. They got to convince you to work with screaming kids. And that takes a miracle. They're miracle workers, right? And, and we have incredible children's pastors at all our campuses. But here's the reality. A lot of times we all want to be winners. So what we do is we don't want to prepare to win, but we all want to be winners. What we need to do, and so what people do is they go find winners, and then they attach themselves to winners and say, I'm a winner, chicken dinner. No, you're not a winner. You're, you're someone that's just going on and attaching your wagon to a winner. A winner is someone, and, and you can be with winners, but a winner a, is someone who prepares ahead of time in the small things. When no one's watching, they prepare to win. And it's not a matter if you attach yourself with other winners. You can be in a place where you're at where there are no winners and be a winner. Bloom where you're planted. Here's wisdom's reward. When faithful in small things, people will empower and invest in you when you invest in small things, when you take them seriously. Small things. Here's, here's the second thing. You're like, no, no way you're getting through it. And that would be wise. There's no way I'm getting through it. That's wisdom. See, you're already exercising wisdom. Here's number two. Go the extra mile. 
If anyone forces, Matthew 5, 41 says, if anyone forces you to go one mile, go with them two miles. Roger Stahlbeck used to say this, there are no traffic jams. I love this. I've known this. There are no traffic jams along the extra mile. We live in a society of just enough thinking. What do I need to do to do just enough? John Maxwell says it this way, no one stands in line for average. No one stands in line for average. You know, I'm sorry, Rebecca, and and maybe you don't know the story, but uh, Abraham had a son named Isaac, and the blessing went to Isaac. And Abraham said to his servant, I need you to go find a wife for Isaac. Now, how many are glad they don't do that today? Right? But Abraham went back to, or Abraham's servant went back to Abraham's homeland, and he went looking for a wife for Isaac. And he gets to the place where he was going, and he's at the well where all the women would go to get water and to take it back. And Abraham's servant said to the Lord, Lord, help me know who you want as a wife for Isaac. And he said, let the person who's going to be his wife say, I'll give you something to drink, and then I'll water your camels. So he goes down there, and and it says that he went up to a woman. So I'm thinking, he didn't just, like, leave it all in God's hands. Like, he went and found somebody who is smoking. (laughs) Not like smoking, but (laughs) you know what I'm talking about. Right, I got to be careful in today's world. I'm already, you know, but I'm in Farmington, so it's all good. <laughs> and uh, so he goes up to her and he says, he says, can I have a drink? And the woman says, sure. And then he says, are those your camels? He didn't ask her about the camels. He just asked for a drink. And she said, are those your camels? Have they been watered? And he said, no. And she went and watered them. Now, when I was there, I got needless information that I'm actually going to use because it was in my brain and I'm not going to just leave it there. I'm going to use it for something. Do you know that a camel, what a camel drinks, how much water a camel drinks? This is, it's insane. Look at this. A camel can drink 50 gallons of water in under three minutes. Isn't that crazy? And he had 10 camels. Now, if she had a five-gallon Home Depot pail, right? It would take her a hundred trips to water those cans. This woman had some capacity, right? Can I tell you something? This woman came down there a nobody and then became the mother of a nation. Why? Because she went the extra mile. And you say, wow, I, I need to watch out for those extra mile moments. No, 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 no. You don't watch for them, you become them. She wasn't an extra mile person in that moment. She had been an extra mile person for her, for her life. It was something she learned long before that, and God had seen her doing the extra mile, and God said, she's been faithful with little. She's been faithful when no one's watching. She's done it. Now I'm going to put her in a point, and everyone's going to know about her extra mile this time. Here's the third and final one, because wisdom's reward for those who go the extra mile, they will never lack greater opportunities for greater opportunities. And then the third one is be honorable. And this is one my grandfather, he used to say to James, be honorable, because you represent this family and you represent the family of God. Honor God and honor one another. Honor people. And I think this is the part where a lot of people struggle because 
isn't it difficult? Isn't it difficult to keep your mouth shut when you have your own insecurities? You know, I've been blessed with incredible son-in-laws, three of them now. So I got boys. They don't carry my name, but, but they're, they're son-in-laws all the same. And uh, one of them attends here, actually. He's married to Mackenzie, my daughter, who's a children's pastor. And the one thing about this young man who's sitting there, and many of you know Edwin, I have never heard him talk a negative word about anyone. And even when there's someone who deserves a negative word, you know who I'm talking about, right? Because you all have somebody like that. They deserve for me to say something negative about them. He will word it in a way that makes them sound like that's expected. Why? Because there are people, when they look at a wall, even though they don't see the studs in the wall, they know they're there. They're stud finders. And when they look at people and their weaknesses, they go, beep, 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 beep. Oh, that's one of their strengths. It's right there. They can find the strengths in every person because they honor people. They can point out, yeah, that's a weakness in their wall, but look at their strength. Let's focus on their strength. And isn't it easier just to focus on people's weaknesses? Why? Because it makes us feel better about our weaknesses. And it really stems back to this fact that when you honor, when you honor God, you honor what he's done in you. You honor the fact that my weaknesses are put there by God because it keeps me connected to people. And a lot of people think we're trying to get rid of our weaknesses. No, it's in your weaknesses he's strong. It's in your weaknesses that you stay humble. And it's in our weaknesses that we discover the strengths in other people that I need in my life. We're like those little monkeys. One arm up, one arm down. One's a strength and one's a weakness. We're, we're monkeys in a barrel. Right? We're going to have an altar call and we're all going to just do this. Right? Really, honor one another. Honor people. Be a stud finder. Be someone that finds strength in people around you. Then you will find, win favor and good name in the sight of God. We are judged not only by what we start. Here's the other thing is honor your commitments. Honor your word. When you say you're going to do something, you do it. You finish what you start. And I know I'm already past, but I'm going to tell you one quick story. You want to hear a story? Okay, you asked for it. There's an Olympic runner from Tanzania, from Tanzania, Olympic runner. And he was running a marathon, and this is from the past. And I saw this in uh, one of those Olympic things where they, you know, when you're trying to go to sleep, you just, you watch stuff that's from way, and so I'm watching this, and it told about a marathon, that they had this marathon in, in the Olympics, and and when it was over, everybody started taking down stuff and people were leaving and it was over. They had, the last runner had come across the finish line and they were stopping. Two hours after it finished, another runner crossed, crossed the finish line, limping. What had happened was one of the runner, the runner from Tanzania, had gotten caught up in a bunch of people an hour into the race. 
and had fallen to the ground so violently that it had ripped up his knee and his ankle, and people just assumed he quit. And yet, he got up, and he drug his leg for the rest of that race. And two hours after the finish, he crossed the line. People are like, like, we thought you just quit. We thought you were done. And he goes, no, no, no. And they said, well, why would you do it? Everybody would understand you were injured. You had an excuse. You had a reason. And he said, this is what he said when, when asked why. He said, my country did not send me here to start the race. They sent me here to finish it. Sure. You may have started a lot of things and had perfectly good reasons why you didn't finish it. But never make this mistake. It was your choice. In the same way you had a choice and excuse to quit, you got a choice and a reason to finish. And God's calling us to finish the race even when it's hard. And if you're struggling with it, you know what we have that the world doesn't have? We have the Holy Spirit. We say, I made a commitment to do this, Holy Spirit. Will you help me accomplish what I made my, put my commitment to? And even when it hurts and even when it's hard, the Holy Spirit will cause you to, and you know what God does? <laughs> That's, do you, well done! Well done! Well done! You have been faithful. Come on in here! Right? Heaven said singles, what? That guy's God, he's amazing. Did you hear about what so-and-so did? That's incredible. The third testament's being written. And you're in it.